Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode cloud servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Guess what? DigitalOcean recently added MySQL and Redis to their list of managed databases. Their full managed databases lineup now includes the three most popular databases out there for developers, Postgres, MySQL, and Redis. Eliminate the complexity involved in managing, scaling, and securing your database infrastructure, and instead, get back to focusing on building value for your users. Learn more and get started for free with a $50 credit at do.co slash changelog. Again, do.co slash changelog. From Changelog Media, you're listening to The Changelog, a podcast featuring the hackers, the leaders, and the innovators of software development. I'm Adam Stachowiak, Editor-in-Chief here at Changelog. On today's show, we're talking with Abhi Navastana about Postman, an ADE, API development environment that began as open source and is now a full-fledged company that just announced a $50 million Series B. We talk about why Postman has grown so successfully, APIs and their impact to core business factors, what it means to be an API development environment, and how they created one of the most popular API platforms and community. Let's start off with how you describe Postman to somebody who asks you about today, our listeners that may or may not have heard of the thing. What do you describe it as, an API client? What's your, what's your description? So it started out as an API client, but it's evolved to what we call an API development environment. And that gives you all the tools that you need to you know, build and test and document APIs. And uh, it has a special flavor to it. It's a collaborative development environment. So you can, you know, while you can always use it uh, as an individual, but you can also work collaboratively with your team. So as it says on the homepage, the only complete ADE system. So we all know what IDE's integrated development environment, I presume is a new term you all have put on Postman, the API development environment. Is that an acronym you all made up? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're trying to kind of come up with something. So we would always say, you know, it's an API client and five other things, right? And it would be like, you know, every time you say it, it's like people always remember only the API client part. So for most most of our history, we were just an API client, you know, for like three, four years as while it was a side project. And then as we expanded the product, as, you know, people started asking us for more and more things, we're like, okay, you know, what? what are the other things that developers use and we can go off of that. And we are like, okay, you know, you have integrated development environments for your code and you have API dev environments for everything inside, uh, you know, that goes into building an API. And these things uh, integrate with each other. So our view was that you have your ID and you have your AD and they work seamlessly together. So I guess back when you guys started, when Postman was an API client, if somebody had told you that in 2019, you'd be raising $50 million in a Series B financing round around this API client. Would you think that was crazy to hear back then? <laughs> Pretty crazy. Like, uh, I mean, the circumstances in which I started Postman was uh, <laughs> kind of got out of what I was doing before with, uh, you know, a rapidly shrinking bank balance with, I think, six months of rent left. Scary. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, you know, that's the time when, you know, banks start charging fees when your balance goes by below a certain amount. And I was like, you know, that's that's 
the post is doing well. I mean, you know, I was like, it's a good side project, but uh, I wouldn't have imagined the journey at all uh, from that point onwards. It's, just, it's, it's been a pretty crazy ride. <laughs> so did the start as a typical developer scratch your own itch or were you looking to serve other people from the start? No, it was primarily, you know, myself, you know, typical uh, scratch your own itch project. And I was inspired by other scratch your own, uh, your own itch projects. I was like, you know, I have this problem. And, I, you know, it's not the first time I tried this thing. I was like, you know, I have a lot of itches. Generally, I actually listed down a ton of itches. And I was like, let me try to build something which is my own unique itch. And uh, at least there were like other, you know, clients back then. And I was like, you know, it's not really uh, fitting the bill. And I like this thing versus that thing. You know, you have to be a little picky to, I mean, developers are picky and I was picky that I don't like this for this reason, that reason. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I would build this thing, which became Postman. Yeah, put it up on the Chrome Web Store and turned out that, you know, this was shared. Like the pain was shared, the itch was shared by a lot of other developers. Well, I shared your pain and I used Postman back in probably version 1.0 when it was a Chrome extension. Was there a Chrome extension pre-Chrome Web Store or was there always the Web Store? My history is missing. Yeah, no, it was always uh, it was always on the Chrome Web Store. So it started out on the first version of the Chrome platform as a browser extension. An interesting thing that actually Chrome did was it allowed you to launch a web page with uh, increased uh, privilege levels uh, inside the browser. So it kind of turned Chrome into like an application, you know, dev environment because you could, you know, access like certain APIs that normally a web page won't have access to. And uh, I realized that you can send, you know, local host calls uh, by building a web app uh, and that could be distributed to other people. While other clients, I think at that time, Hurlit or some other things were web only clients and you couldn't access, you know, things behind the firewall and stuff. So I found that kind of, you know, I'd say uh, interesting Thing. I mean, other REST clients on Chrome were doing that, but uh, it appeared on the Chrome Web Store and then it evolved into uh, like a packaged app that Chrome had. So that was the second version of the platform. I think that's when I jumped off the Postman train personally because it started to solve problems that I didn't have anymore. I was like, mm, I'm kind of a simple, like, just give me the REST client thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the, the Chrome app, was it with Chrome OS? And the Chrome apps became big. And Postman, big big new version, sign-ins, sharing, all these things that apparently millions of developers love, but <laughs> I just didn't happen to be one of them. Yeah, I mean, you can ignore all of that and, you know, continue using it that way. And, uh, you know, respecting uh, everybody's opinion is has been like a core uh, philosophy, right? I mean, if you don't want to do something, you, you will just not be bothered about it. And in fact... There are a, a huge, I mean, millions of developers who you know, prefer things one way or the other. And we try to be, yeah. you know, like we try to find a path that they will go in. So you can, you know, ignore all of it, continue using it as a REST client. But eventually we were surprised by how much value that, you know, people got from using Postman, uh, you know, uh, in a collaborative way and having an account and stuff. And, uh, you know, we just, as I said, right, like all of this has been like a crazy ride. We just didn't know ourselves. And people, everything that we've built in Postman has come from like, you know, when people are like, okay, I really want this. That's when we actually build it. So it's been an evolution. And, you know, of course, there are some things that people like, some things people don't like. Uh, sure. It's been okay. Uh, some people think that Postman has been in existence for, you know, uh, more than say, 10 years. Like they've been using Postman forever. And uh, <laughs> we just we just have to tell them, no, no, it was not Postman. I'm probably using something else. <laughs> 
Let's go back a little further then to the itch then. What specifically is the itch or was the itch in the early days of Postman that, that you were solving for? Like, What are the core problems set maybe now or even earlier for yeah. API developers? So, you know, I saw a very basic problem that, uh, you know, when you're compiling and running code, all of that, uh, you know, that whole loop can be done on your machine. And, uh, you know, you run a program, you know, if it has problems or not. Uh, you know, if it's a website that you're developing, you know, you load the website in the browser and if the page works, you know, if it doesn't work, you know, your browser console tells you. But with APIs, things become a little interesting because things are running, you know, on somebody else's machine, right? And uh, I saw that basically to debug APIs or to work with either your own APIs or somebody else's APIs, you had to kind of send a lot of API calls, you had to tweak parameters, you had to work in places when you didn't have like complete documentation. So, well, you know, whether you were figuring stuff out for yourself or for an application that, you know, you're supposed to build on somebody else's API, you're just working a lot with APIs and none of those uh, existing tools, right? Look, so people would write curl commands, you know, you would have like a bash history of curl commands and, you know, the better developer would be who has a bigger bash history, right? Because, oh, I send those calls, right? I'm going to send you those calls. And I'm like, why is that happening, right? Or somebody... Uh, had uh, their own code base where they had documented some things in some way. So I saw these disparate ways in which people were working and I myself saw, you know, doing different things at different times, but I really wanted to just debug and work with APIs in a little bit more pleasant way. You know, just remembering the API calls that I had sent before, you know, nothing more than that. And I don't have to remember like, you know, parameter number 26 in a big API. And pretty printing the responses was big for me back then. It was like, just just auto-format the JSON response or the XML, whatever it is, and make it easy for me to read. And then just save that and just rerun it whenever I want. Yeah, so, you know, you'd have the terminal and then you'd scan through the response and then, you know, your eyes would, like, start watering looking at what comes out, right? So then, I mean, I saw what I was doing, right? So I would, like, take the response, put it into an HTML file, uh, load the JSON view extension in Chrome and it would pretty print the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. But, uh, you know, that was like four steps. So I was like, okay, I want all of this in a nice little package. And these things seem to be something I'm doing a lot. And uh, that was the first itch. Uh, I think a related problem which got us into building stuff on the collaborative side was when I was with uh, Ankit, my co-founder and CTO at Yahoo!, we were building this application together and we were consuming an API and there was no documentation and we'd have to you know, figure out what the API was and we'd run over to our manager's desk. Like, what is the API? What's the latest version of it? And he'd like do something and show us, okay, try this parameter or that parameter. And I was like, I don't want to run to you know, somebody's desk to find out what things are, right? Uh, so that communication problem and that working with APIs uh, a little bit more pleasantly was kind of like the base problems I was looking to solve back then. You were using this as a solo developer, Jared, or were you using this in a collaborative environment where you needed to work with other devs to kind of fine-tune the API? I would just use it solo where I would use it to tinker, you know, to, to prod uh, at an API and then, you know, get this certain response back and then save that particular request for later so I could try it again. Or when I'm developing my own APIs, of which I'm often the only consumer, <laughs> So that I can replay things and make sure that, you know, you can almost run test suites that way. So I was just by myself. And I think when the collaborative tools came in and the, you know, create an account kind of stuff, I was just like, well, it's a little bit more here than I wanted. And I, I started looking for other things. But 
uh, law of large numbers, right? You, the more people you serve, you're, you're going to have some people that just doesn't quite fit. And for me at that time, I, I just jumped off the wagon. Now, I have looked at it recently and, oh boy, it's changed quite a bit since then. But yeah, I was using it completely in a solo context. And so the collaborative tools did not appeal to me where I'm probably, you know, less than half of 1% of people who are like that. Most people are not like me. Most people are in teams Yeah. more often than not. <laughs> so, so I, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, harp on that a little too much, but our hypothesis was that, you know, it's got to be a pretty sad API that's going to be used by one person, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. I write the saddest little APIs there are. People who share, who upload a video on YouTube and there's one view. You know, so, I mean, again, I don't like zero in on that because we saw that generally when you're building an API, there's a split between backend and front end. You know, the API is supposed to be consumed by other people and a whole host of flows that kick in because, you know, APIs allow you to build bigger modular pieces of software, which are generally built by teams. So that was a high, our hypothesis and we wanted to kind of respect the individual developer's workflow. Sure. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> And a fair one. I mean, like I said, I'm abnormal in that way. Full stack developer working on small contracts. I am both the front end and the back end. So I write the API and then I write the API client. And that's pretty rare, I think. So what I always wonder is you have this nice little side project. People are using it. You're putting more and more into it. And your bank account is dwindling, dwindling. You got your day job and you're wondering, do I pull the trigger? Like, when do I dive into this and raise money or start charging money, you know, build a team. Those are sometimes the hardest decisions, it seems. What was the trigger point for you that you said, okay, it's time to make this real? Yeah, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't think any of any of that because, you know, if you enum enumerate it that way, it's, it's ridiculous to start a company. You know, why would anybody, anybody do it? It's just, you know, it's like, yeah, you're, uh, you know, laying on a bed that looks, you know, pretty neat, you know, the mattress is fluffy, but, you know, the mattress gets pulled out the second day. So I didn't actually, and, you know, there's a bed of nails there generally. <laughs> so, right. uh, so I didn't think any of that. I think I really enjoyed that feedback loop that I had while working on Postman. And, you know, I loved building something that, you know, I had had as a problem and I would give it to somebody and they would say that, hey, you solved this problem for me. And that was the best feeling as such. Of course, you can't live on, you know, feelings alone. And I tried a lot of different ways to sustain the project. Like uh, Postman had a donate button and I think less than 0.0001% of uh, people uh, ever donated. And uh, I tried, you know, putting some sponsors in. At that time, there was Mashape, Restlet, and a bunch of other companies. Uh, Mashape became Kong uh, and then Restlet got acquired. So I tried a whole bunch of things and, but primarily what I think got me into, you know, doing Postman, I, so I quit my job, what I had, and I just uh, was like, okay, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I like working on Postman and I don't like to work, I wouldn't want to work for a big company or any company for a while. So I picked up a consulting gig, uh, which uh, uh, interestingly, I had to design a smartphone app. So I always played like uh, both hats in, in the previous company I was at. Like I was a UX designer, UI designer, as well as uh, a programmer. So for making money on the side, I was like, okay, I can pay rent and uh, I can uh, you know sustain myself. So I'm going to do this for two days a week. And for five days a week, I'm going to work on Postman and let's see where it goes. And uh, Ankit at that time was working in Mumbai, in India, and I was in Bangalore. So I, I I booked a bus ticket 
and i was like uh, i i can't afford a plane ride because you know bank balance is going to go down so i'm just going to go to bombay and i'm going to get my head straight and uh, stay with ankit and and see where it goes so there were no plans of building a company it was just you know i want to work with some some somebody i like that was my hope that ankit would eventually join and i want to work on something that people love and we'll see where that goes ankit being one of your co-founders yeah so you were on the road to your very first co-founder what was that like to when did you feel like the next step was you know your next co-founder which is a name i can't pronounce abhijit right abhijit yeah so interest ankit abhijit and i have this uh, interesting or had this interesting relationship so i was an intern at yahoo uh, working with ankit and abhijit was an intern working with me at my first company so we knew each other through this intern employee relationship and uh, abhijit uh, so we ankit and i started working together you know during this time when i quit uh, my uh, previous startup i got a call from google saying they want to feature postman on the chrome web store as you know one of the featured apps on the uh, new platform so that was kind of a very encouraging sign and i think that's when ankit and i decided to you know look at things a little bit more seriously much more than a side project and we started looking at people who might be you know excited about working on it maybe on the side and uh, we had a bunch of uh, things like uh, you know we had this newman test runner we had this interceptor plugin which you know we like the two of us just couldn't maintain on our own and we found out that abhijit was in bangalore and abhijit and i had worked in delhi then so we kind of uh, picked him out he was at walmart labs then we found he was in the city and i sent him a note saying that hey we are doing this thing do you want to work with us and he's like yes and that's it <laughs> just like that <laughs> just like yes <laughs> yes yes that's the, that's the response you want when you ask me a question like that do you want to work with us yes yes i do <laughs> Yeah, next next thing was a pull request, I think. So. <laughs> so the very first iterations of Postman was an open source project. It was a Chrome app. And because of the notoriety of it being so used, and then obviously the, the call from Google sort of perked your ears up and others too to say, we should probably get serious about this. And so at that point, you weren't really making any money. It was just an open source tool. Is that right? Yep. Then we tried you know a lot of different ways, right? We uh, So we tried to bootstrap the project and at that time i think postman transitioned so you know we tried a whole bunch of ways right so we tried donations sponsorships and looking at it i was like okay i mean one thing i wanted to do was i didn't want to go into raising money too early at all like that was i think fact i learned that if you go into the market trying to raise money and you're still like okay i have a prototype and stuff it's only too late and it's it's very painful and i don't want to do that so i was just looking for ways to sustain ourselves and uh, you know the donation bit didn't work out as well uh, the sponsorship thing didn't work out so we introduced this in app purchase called jetpacks you know at that time and the idea was that you buy this 10 dollar in app purchase and it'll give you access to automation capabilities that postman has and uh, i mean the funny thing in our heads was that you know you have a postman going uh, <laughs> on a bicycle from door to door delivering mail and then you get the school new version of postman with jetpacks and he's like flying around your town you know delivering mail so that was the imagery we had which gave you know uh, which gave postman its uh, logo uh, that was there today so that made a bit of money and our grand plan was that we're going to be you know maximum five people working on this thing and and uh, let's figure out what are the most uh, important problems we can solve and it was enough if you translated dollars to you know rupees in india 
you can you know pay rent and uh, eat <laughs> like being ramen profitable you know that that's the term now which i learned a little later so we were ramen profitable then and that's when we had investors reach out saying that hey you guys have a lot of traction and you know we hear about you from a lot of folks uh, have you thought of starting a company and by at this time we were not really incorporated you know we were uh, it, uh, <laughs> it was just like three of us working together mm What's interesting I hear here is that um, is I heard donations, which is interesting. And then Jared, you mentioned earlier the recent announcement of a fifty million dollar Series B. So I mean, so from donations to fifty million dollars in a Series B is that's an interesting story to consider donations being a, you know a a monetization strategy to bootstrap to where you're at now. It's it's really it's gigantically different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, and I wouldn't recommend it, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't recommend the Series B or the donations button? <laughs> Actually, either, you know, depending on which spectrum you are at. Uh, yeah. Both of them have their pros and cons, you know. You know, money always comes with... Uh, strings attached. Strings, always. So you, yeah. as you, as long as you're aware. You- it's wise of you to, uh, to wait a little bit, too, because I'm sure that you were in a position where you probably could have, you know, for lack of better terms, sold this prototype. Uh, or at least this big idea, but what you did was you built in some worth. You know, you kind of self-vested your own long-term worth, and you probably retained a good portion of the ownership because of that. I think it was a good decision. You know, I had offers to uh, have me as an employee in other companies, you know, or do Postman on the side or acquire Postman as a portfolio of another suite of API products. And uh, there were offers to come to the U.S., uh, you know, and stay in the Bay Area. I think one of the things I learned, so I've been, you know, coding since uh, or or used to code from like kind of sixth, sixth grade till 2016. And I was the, you know, CTO, right? So, so the CTO title at early stage companies is the guy who does all the work uh, generally <laughs> because there's nobody else who can be hired at that point. And then there is a person who does the, you know, sales and marketing side. So I was, you know, I was a person who would, you know, be on in the background and I was happy doing that. I loved coding, loved programming. And and what I saw was somebody else could be the creator of an idea, but if it's your idea and you have a particular vision of the idea, you can't give it to somebody else and expect them to execute like the way you are thinking about it. And I was not taking yeah. ownership of, of that idea. And I was like, okay, go somebody else will do the talking somebody else will do the marketing so that had been with me since like school days you know i would have a friend of mine i mean all of them are still friends <laughs> and great people but i was like you know i i just want to code so with the postman i was like you know i i think i've seen this go south in so many different ways that i'm not sure whether i'm going to be you know, great at it, but I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be better than everybody else I've worked with. And I just decided to stick with it. Was that hard for you stepping outside of your comfort zone to accomplish that? A lot. I mean, you know, uh, when you're spending like 16 hours in front of a computer and then you have to spend 16 hours in front of people, uh, <laughs> it's uh, a very big change. But uh, I'd say it it helped a lot. And I started seeing the value in uh, you know, kind of starting to empathize better with who's using the product. Like the first thing I did when we eventually raised our seed round was I came, I bought a ticket to the Bay Area, visited people who were using the product, like people I had corresponded with. uh, And they were like, oh, we are using the product this way and that way. So I literally saw Postman running on their screens. And then I heard their stories about how they're using Postman and it just blew me away. I was like, that is the bit that I was kind of missing. And then I started getting more into 
you know, being open to, you know, talking and listening and, you know, eventually, of course, you have to learn to lead and stuff, but was was a journey. I didn't learn it in a day. And I don't think I've still got <laughs> gotten any of it figured out, but it's, it's, it's a journey and it's been good for us. It's interesting how sitting down with a user of a product you're building or have built and how motivating that is to you because you see them using it. And not only do you get that feedback loop going, but you kind of like, you kind of have this like we're all in this in some way, shape or form to be in relationship with other people. Like in that way, you're able to actually reach out and help other people solve their problems with your tooling. And I can't even imagine how motivating that was for you to, to actually see people face to face using Postman. Yeah, it, it totally changed. I think, you know, kind of like my perspective on what Postman was like, of course, you know, I liked it as a side project and it was fun to work on it. And I knew it had value. Once you see how passionate people are about the thing that you've built, you actually feel more responsible for it. It's not like you can, you know, think of anything like we, we are very conscious of like, you know, breaking changes. Right. So uh, like even for, for, you know, you, Gerard, like I can say that, OK, you can go and use Postman that way still. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want to respect that, you know, and when people like have invested a part of their life in learning a product that you've built they've built workflows around it you know there are mission critical things that are happening i think once you meet them and you see that there are real people you know using the product i mean we we have more than 7 million users that we cite on the website but what is still important is that you know the stories and uh, you know use cases of each one of them and it makes you more responsible it made me more responsible and i did the same thing with every single employee uh, at postman since then we fly them out and you know we hold meetups and of course we tell people this is what postman can do but a lot of it is for us to just know you know what what they're doing with the product This episode is brought to you by Git Prime. Git Prime helps software teams accelerate their velocity and release products faster by turning historical Git data into easy to understand insights and reports. Because past performance predicts future performance, Git Prime can examine your Git data to identify bottlenecks, compare sprints and releases over time, and enable data-driven discussions about engineering and product development. Ship faster because you know more, not because you're rushing. Get started at gitprime.com slash changelog. That's G-I-T-P-R-I-M-E dot com slash changelog. Again, gitprime.com slash changelog. So, I mean, have you mentioned the 7 million plus developers? Right there on the homepage, 300,000 plus companies using this, 130 million plus APIs. A lot of us build things similar to Postman, or we have tools, we have open source projects, we got our hobbies, and we'd love to have more people using them. You don't want to build that one little API for one, right? (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to build that except apparently me. But how did you get here? Because this is 7 million people, it's just a large amount. And you've had a lot of success over the 2012, 2019, seven years. Mm-hmm. So some, there had to be some a tipping point or some sort of like hockey stick. There were maybe some features you added early on. Tell us some of the insights that you've learned, maybe in retrospect, or maybe you, you knew mm-hmm. how to get so many people using and loving this tool. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's been something, uh, again, I'll be analyzing, uh, looking back and we have some observations that we then projected kind of forward. And I think over the last four years, a lot of them have, you know, just turned out right. You know, mentioned that the first uh, thing that we, like our first insight was uh, that, you know, building APIs means groups of people working together. And now you would say, of course, you know, building software means groups of people working together. But we saw that APIs are a different way to combine, you know, larger pieces of software. So you can take open source libraries and you can, you know, mash them in and, you know, do includes and requires and say that, okay, my software is more capable because it has these libraries. And uh, what we saw was that, you know, this proliferation of this way of uh, working, you know, through APIs, and uh, that's how fundamentally software was, you know, getting built. So in 2012, 2013, I think Programmable Web listed out a few thousand APIs, but the number of APIs kind of looking at from my experience at Yahoo or at other startups or from the people that we were talking to, it seemed a lot. You know, everybody was building APIs uh, internally for their partners, for, you know, public platforms and stuff. And uh, we saw that you know, as building APIs required groups of people to come together, how do they share uh, what they're working on and how do they make, you know, their workflow a little bit better? So we invented this concept of a Postman collection where you could basically put together API calls, could be any set of API calls. You know, it could be like your calls that you debugged and you know, the five calls that don't work, right, for an API. Yeah. Or these are the 50 API endpoints that my API has. Or this is a, you know, definite use case of my API working with, you know, Slack's API or Stripe's API. So we said that, okay, the way developers uh, work or the way we work is, you know, you are kind of in this mode of work, debugging, testing, combining, and you want to share that with somebody else. And the way to do that, you know, is, uh, is just, you don't want to build formal documentation for it. Right? You're not going to share a repository for it all the time. You're not going to write documentation for it because, you know, forget use cases. You don't even have documentation for the API that you have built so far. So uh, collections kind of became a very lightweight way for people to share what they were doing. And that established a workflow between, you know, groups of people. So you could create a collection in Postman. You could download it as a JSON file or upload it as a link or create a run in Postman button and share it with others. And what created was this inherent viral loop in the product that mm. uh, if you want to recommend using Postman to somebody, not only you are telling them to use use Postman, but you're also adding value to you know what they are doing, right? So if, uh, again, take the, taking the example of a backend developer, you tested your API in, in the Postman API client, and you want to give it to a front-end developer that, okay, Here's a set of calls that you can use. Uh, put a collection and share it with them, and now they are a little bit ahead. They don't have to rediscover all the things that you have discovered. So what we saw was this started getting uh, traction, not just with internal developer workflows, but also companies like Box and Microsoft, and you know, even back then, totally unprompted, started sharing collections, you know, publicly, and they start talking about it. So uh, I think. Good developer tools have always had word of mouth traction, but this also added like this layer where, you know, essentially this network of people that was coming together to build or work with APIs was, uh, you know, using Postman. So we saw that grow pretty fast. And then, um, yeah, you know, we have just kept iterating on the product to enable more and more collaborative activities 
like in uh, 2016 or 2016 i think we launched this concept of a team library where you could share collections that you're working with all in one page so it kind of becomes a shared api repository for your team and then it eventually evolved into this concept of a workspace where you can invite people and work with them in real time like the way you work on google docs or slack or something for all the things that you're kind of doing together so we feel that was one very strong thread that ran through you know to help uh, postman grow and along with that i think uh, you know just adding more tools to enrich everybody's workflow right so now postman can test for you know i mean hundreds of different kinds of apis it already supports you know so many different kinds of protocols and uh, you know so many different ways of working with uh, you know re- request bodies and stuff so we continued all of that we added more tools to cover more of the workflow so you can create mock servers in postman you can uh, build documentation in postman and i think the only other thing i'd mention is that we knew this uh, nature of developers to kind of try to tinker with the tool to you know do things a little bit more efficiently so we built this uh, javascript based runtime in the product which gave rise to other use cases like automation testing and chaining eventually leading up to integrations with ci cd systems and whatnot so we always kept the tool extensible it was collaborative so people could share things and that has helped us grow uh and and at this point actually we have to discover use cases now from you know people like okay what are you using postman for and we we know a little bit better i mean i think the collaborative stuff is on point i want to come back to that because i'm not sure i understand what you mean by there's a javascript runtime inside of the tool can you tell me how that plays out yeah so you know imagine that you have uh, an api that you want to test across like let's say 50 different uh, across 50 different variations of input parameters right so in an api client you can create 50 different requests or what you can do is you can create a collection and you can have the request be dynamically created for those parameters and you can loop through it so postman has this concept of uh, uh, a pre request script that can run before you send a request and a post uh, uh, response script which we call a test script and these two things are pieces of code that you write javascript code gotcha so it can automate any single thing that you do manually you can automate it right so you want to send a bunch of api calls you want to write test automation you want to chain together api calls like take the data from one api put that into another api you know if you want to get a csv dump and then be like okay i want to run this api for you know 10000 iterations for just data transfer jobs so we built all of these automation capabilities on top of that runtime and uh, it has it gives you access to certain abstractions within postman so you can you know get access to variables you have you know a bunch of apis available for collections so it gives you a lot of that uh, ability to mold the tool yeah no that sounds really powerful thanks for explaining that because i wasn't it wasn't connecting but now i totally understand what you're saying and that sounds like especially with power tools like they need to be malleable if you can dream it you should be able to do it right especially for developers so that's really cool back to the collaborative bit i mean I guess it kind of seems obvious but I don't think about these things so explicitly all the time. Collaborative tools are inherently viral because you have to share them with the person that you're collaborating with and if they haven't learned of the tool yet then they're being exposed to it, right? Like here, here's a Postman collection. Oh, what's Postman? Oh, it's this thing. You know, like they have to basically spread it in order to do what they need to do for their job, right? To collaborate unless they're like me and they work in a silo. So I guess the takeaway there is if you're building collaborative tools 
and the sharing side or the collaborative side is hard, then you're not doing yourself any favors whatsoever. Did you mentioned the collections? Was that a, a thing you formalized around and made it really easy to just share a link and and pass it on? Is was there anything that you did around like the landing page for the person who's like not a Postman user who gets a collection passed to them? Share some insights on how you guys really smoothed that out and made it shareable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, these were all observations, right? So we, I mean, every as I said, everything that we have built comes from observations or generally what people want. And it's a little bit different than what people say what they want, right? So we noticed that people would download these JSON files, put it into a repository, and then they would have, I mean, people still do that. They're kind of doing that over and over again. And uh, a repository kind of works, but generally when you are working across different teams, you don't have access to the same repository. When you are sharing a public API, you're not, you know, Microsoft is not going to give you access to their code base repository. Uh, so kind of there was this notion of, uh, you know, sharing of a collection and people would describe a sequence of steps that they would do. And we just thought of making that set of steps simple, right? So we, the first iteration was you can upload a collection as a link, like the way you share a Google Doc, right? You get a link and then you can open that link and now you can you know, use uh, Google Docs with that thing loaded. So you could do that with Postman through the share a link and then import flows we did. And once we did that, then we saw documentation pages appearing where people would list out, uh, go and download Postman, you know, click on this link, click on this button, et cetera, et cetera. And we said that, how can we simplify that? So we built this run in Postman button, which, you know, you click the button, a page opens up and you click uh, a button on that page. Or sometimes if it's a JavaScript enabled button, then it just, you know, it's one click to uh, click that button and then you open uh, Postman and the collection gets preloaded for you, right? So uh, a comparative experience there against developer documentation was, if you see most API documentation, it has these curl commands. Right, so you will copy that curl command, put it inside a terminal for one API. Now, if the API has like 200 endpoints, you need to do that 200 times multiplied by the number of times you have variations on that API. So we just simplified kind of all of that, and uh, people saw a lot of value in there, and you know, it just spread more. And we have continuously started, you know, I mean, we've 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 always seen more forms of collaboration kind of coming up. So for internal teams, this itself is not sufficient. You know, they want that, okay, if somebody else updates a collection, then I should get an update right away. You know, if somebody's endpoint changes or somebody makes an update to documentation, then I should just know uh, right away. And we were like, okay, you know, people, we imagine people working in like these real time workspaces. You know, it's uh, what you see is what you get. And uh, the system should automatically store uh, revisions uh, for everybody, and you can diff and merge and fork all of that. So we try to simplify what the software does for you to help you enable just you know collaborate more and more in different settings. And it's still it's still an ongoing process. You know there are social rules uh, that come into play. Like there are some companies that are very transparent and we're like you we'll invite you to your workspace. You don't need access control. But there are some companies you know, who are like, okay, no, we want these rules. We don't want people to see all workspaces or all collections. So we want different repository for this set of people and different edit access for that set of people. So now we have been studying these, you know, social groups 
that are there inside companies and how that intersects with like software development workflows. And yeah, the first instances of that, which we found out were through, you know, uh, collaboration around like public APIs. Yeah. Once you get into private APIs, especially with access tokens and, you know, responses, there's probably lots of stuff that is sensitive and you at least want good access controls around who sees what. But then also, have you had any pushback? I I don't know, does Postman store those collections on your guys' infrastructure? And so now you have, you know, some burden of uh, holding onto other people's sensitive API data as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's uh, just, you know, one of some of the risks that, I mean, come with any SaaS cloud-based service. We have certain best practices. We have tried to bake like certain defaults in the product. Now that, you know, there's some stuff that will just not be stored on our servers, you know, by definition, like you can store API keys and passwords locally, it will not be synced up. So there are lots of these different, you know, safeguards that we mm-hmm. have had to put in. And people, you know, weigh those uh, against like the value that they get in terms of, uh, you know, better workflow. Many SaaS companies who are providing similar services that you are with regard to sensitive data have tried the on-premise model, GitHub Enterprise, NPM famously, or maybe infamously now have had their two separate products, the the public and private package repositories. Is on-premise something that you've thought about? Do you offer it or have you tried that route? So uh, for, I mean, we don't have an on-prem version for uh, the cloud-based or the syncing stuff that we have, but all of our tools run on-prem, you know, technically, because Postman is a desktop app that you run in your infrastructure. We have a command line uh, tool called Newman that can run or integrate with your uh, CI/CD build, and that is an open source Newman tool that you can integrate within your firewall and it runs on your servers. So it's kind of like a a hybrid model, if I may say, uh, where like the tools themselves run mostly on your systems. But for a full scale on-prem solution, like, you know, that's something that we think about, but it's not been, I'd say, a high priority so far. Because of the effort put in, because your customers aren't asking for it. I just wonder how seriously you've thought about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, customers haven't uh, really asked for it. I think generally more, more, there are more concerns around, you know, like how do you access those APIs? And we don't access those APIs. We don't get anything kind of layer from, you know, the client to uh, somebody's APIs. Like it totally runs on, you know, your infrastructure. So they have more concerns there. Like how are you accessing our APIs? And we're like, we don't have access to your APIs. You have access to your APIs. So you store the collections, but the the bits inside the collections that say hit this server on this IP address or whatever it is, is internal to their network. And the result of that never comes back to your cloud sync. Yeah, I mean, by default, it's turned off. You can turn it on if you want to, you know, keep it open for gotcha. a bit. So all these controls are there. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, it's 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 been something that, we talk about with people and, you know, they weigh the pros and cons of, you know, what they're getting. So this CLI, you said its name is Newman. Please tell me this is a Seinfeld reference. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Newman was the postman in Seinfeld. (laughs) Yes. Hello, Newman. I'm all over that reference. (laughs) Newman had a line in, so I'll I'll maybe share just like a bit on why it was called Newman. So Newman had this, uh, 
uh, I think line like, when he what he was telling Jerry Seinfeld was that you know Jerry do you know like this mail it always kind of keeps on coming it just never stops so he had this whole notion that Newman is running in the background you know running these automations non-stop coupled with your CI/CD bit and uh, yeah, you know it's uh, <laughs> it was just like this uh, reference to the postman always having to work Nice. In the background. Well, I think Cliff Clavin was also a postman, but he spent all of his time at the bar, so that would have been a bad name. Mm. <laughs> Interesting. And and people like Newman, you know, generally. Well, Jerry hated Newman, but uh, everybody else likes him. So <laughs> Jerry really did hate him, didn't he? Yeah, Jerry hated him a lot. <laughs> Despised him. Yeah. You know, if automation breaks. <laughs> like if it's running tests, you know, imagine... That your test fails, right? You're gonna hit that thing, right? Which tells you that five things are not working. This episode is brought to you by TeamCity. TeamCity is a continuous integration and delivery server developed by JetBrains that helps you build, test, and release your software faster. It supports all popular build tools, test frameworks, version control systems, issue trackers, and cloud platforms out of the box with no plugins required. TeamCity visualizes your build, test, deploy pipelines, collects statistics on each step, pinpoints the root cause of failures, and suggests which commits might have caused the build failure. The professional version of TeamCity is free even for commercial use and lets you set up up to 100 builds and run up to three builds in parallel. For large organizations out there, JetBrains offers TeamCity Enterprise. And right now they're extending a special offer to our listeners. Get additional build agents and new licenses of certain enterprise versions with a 50% discount. Head to TeamCity.com changelog to learn more. Again, TeamCity.com changelog. So we've talked about where Postman came from, what it was, what it's turning it into. Maybe we can talk a little bit about your vision for the future. But right now you do pitch it as the most complete ADE, which maybe it's the only ADE because you guys made up the acronym. Maybe not. That being said, there's some competitors out there. Um, you're, you're now saying use Postman to build your APIs as a full integrated shareable environment. Tell us more about what it looks like today, what features you're adding, and what people can expect if they check it out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, as I was talking about collections before, right, and as we started understanding a bit more on those collaborative activities that people do when they're building APIs, uh, we saw that people take a lot of different paths. Like Postman, of course, prescribes one particular workflow, but it's not the workflow that they have or they want to have. There are lots of variations in how people build APIs. Uh, the other thing we saw was, uh, you know, well, Postman always was about you know, testing APIs or building APIs or an API dev environment, the word API itself was never in the interface for a while. Oh, yeah? Because we always had requests, history. It was like REST client. Was that what it used to be called, like a REST client? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was called a REST client, but there was always, it was implied that when you, uh, you know, are sending a request, it's an API request, right? Sure. So uh, we saw that people would take that, you know, kind of leap from seeing a collection as a group of things to, okay, it representing API documentation or it representing like an API test suite. So you're like, okay, you know, should we, 
like what what is an api generally right like do we know how is this abstraction represented in the minds of uh, you know our users and we said that okay you know we we should see apis uh, as a combination of these three things uh, which we eventually you know found out uh, being recently talked about in this book called continuous api management as apis having an interface an instance and an implementation right so an api has a running instance so that's the thing that shows you you know it it runs that code and then uh, it has an interface which are the endpoints that are described and then there is uh, the implementation which is the code base right which is executing you know all of that thing so we looked at this particular definition and we saw that essentially this whole process of building apis is you know going through the cycle of you know design developing testing and deploying and uh, people essentially need some direction on how to go about it so we looked at you know all of these different uh, activities and said that okay postman is going to define a notion of an api and uh, it is going to help people go through this workflow and in the, along this workflow you will connect all of these different tools and techniques that you use you know in building that api so uh, now you have this api tab inside postman and you can create a new api you can give it a name you can give it a version you can define the api through a schema we support open api graphql raml and a bunch of other things and you can generate postman collections out of that schema and those collections could then in turn be turned into mock servers automation test suites documentation monitoring and it gives you like this place in which you can really see you know all those things uh, that an api is and connect to other things where an api is you know being represented so it kind of brings together a lot of these other disparate workflows that existed outside of postman into postman mm-hmm. streamlines a lot of those bits that people were already doing and you know people just uh, feel more comfortable that okay all these things are kind of in one place so that was our first iteration of it and you know of course we can talk about how it has evolved into you know more things so when did you guys add soap support because i'm sure that's pretty popular <laughs> soap uh, actually we want to support it as a schema as well Oh really? I was mostly joking. <laughs> no, we uh, <laughs> actually the launch plan was to support SOAP and GraphQL at the same time. <laughs> How was it? <laughs> Because uh, so many APIs are still in SOAP, you know, just people don't know it. So the interesting thing about APIs is that it's very hard to get rid of an API, you know? Yeah. It you have to deprecate an API over a very long period of time unless you are Google, which is, you know, you find out on Hacker News that the API you're using is not They just turn it off the same day, right? Yeah. uh but otherwise you need to transition clients off and you need to you know really work through uh a deprecation uh, plan so a lot of uh, mission critical apis are all soap apis in fact a lot of rest apis are built on top of soap apis and a lot of graphql apis are built on top of rest apis <laughs> so and it's like turtles <laughs> all the way down all the uh, way down <laughs> sounds inefficient but who knows what do i know you know a lot of software development is basically working around the constraints of an organization that built software before you so it's layers you know like all those layers represent uh, you know it's like looking at a tree trunk right like right. you look at the first ring and you're like okay this is what happened in the first iteration then i'm going to like build a ring around it build a ring around it and every new technology adds a ring around it doesn't replace anything uh, underlying <laughs> right you're only ever adding on top and it's kind of like scar tissue you know the more you add it becomes thicker harder more rigid yeah. more difficult to 
to deal with. So yeah, that's just kind of a fact of the world at this point. <laughs> and our view is that we, you know, all those APIs are valuable, all those layers are valuable, and uh, we want to enable you know developers to work with all kinds of APIs across all sorts of different constructs. So if you have a legacy API, if you want to transition out of that legacy SOAP API to a GraphQL API, you should have SOAP and GraphQL collections testing both APIs in the same place. Right. Uh, if they are in different places, then it's just harder to, you know, do those things. Or you can build a mock server for the older API, and you know, then you know, document that and get it tested, and then you transition into, you know, a new thing. So, I think, I mean, all those cases are valuable. In fact, billions of dollars are spent in uh, digital transformations, uh, you know, every year, which is basically everybody just trying to figure out what was done ten years ago. Yeah. So in addition to your JavaScript runtime, you could add a Fortran runtime or a COBOL runtime. Come on now. Come on, support everything. <laughs> Fortran. Uh, see, that's the line. I think if there's one advice <laughs> I had to give to open source developers, I'm like, just <laughs> talk to your real users, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have this funding. You have Postman as it is. Surely when you talk to those investors, they weren't interested in Postman as it is. They were interested in some future for Postman that isn't here yet, but their money will help you get it there. So what does that look like if it comes to fruition and does everything that you hope it will do? What does the future of Postman look like? So Postman you know, aims to be the collaborative platform for all APIs which an organization builds. So within the enterprise or within, within a company that's building APIs or consuming APIs, that's the place that you go to. And you can branch out and do other things like, you know, use other tools, but that's the place uh, where you essentially work with API. So we want Postman to be synonymous, you know, with anything API related. And an extension of that is as APIs also help businesses uh, or businesses and developers uh, collaborate in building software together. You know, it uh, is something, uh, Postman is something that we expect to be the network of all APIs you know, published uh, on Earth effectively, right? And that's uh, that's how we kind of, you know, built the Postman API network for, uh, you know, public APIs. And we have, you know, Postman Pro and Postman Enterprise for uh, essentially, you know, internal APIs. Well, you're on your way. You also have uh, the second, I guess, annual Postman user conference coming up. So uh, a lot moving and shaking there. Tell us about this conference. Uh, Postman enthusiasts around the world, what's what's the deal here? So we, uh, as I said in the beginning of, of, of our conversation, right, like we love meeting people and that's when you kind of realize that, you know, how the product is being used and hopefully we can share a few things that we have learned. So the Postman user conference is a way for some of the best practitioners uh, within the Postman ecosystem to share their practices and knowledge with other members of uh, the Postman community. Uh, we had a great first conference uh, last year, and now, you know, we're holding a second iteration of that. Uh, we expect it's going to continue expanding. And, you know, we host meetups and uh, events across the globe now. In fact, a lot of our events are held by people in the community themselves. So it's a way to kind of bring them together, you know, share uh, best practices, share what we are building uh, for the coming year. And uh, hopefully, you know, everybody has a good time. Yeah. Conferences are pretty interesting for brands like this. We see a lot of that happening quite a bit now. And it's certainly a good place to have, obviously, 
meet up, as you said earlier, face to face with some users, which is super motivating, but at the same time, very uh, rewarding in, in the process to just bake in deeper relationships. Um, maybe now that we're kind of like closer to having a full understanding of Postman, it's, you know, inception to its history, to how you've got, how you've grown to where you are, maybe paint a picture for the future. Where is API development going? What are some of the tooling happening that you're seeing? It's like on the forefront of enabling teams to better collaborate, to better manage, to better version, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, we, uh, I mean, first of all, we believe that APIs are essentially the building blocks of modern software, right? It's just now you kind of get this massive power of, uh, you know, functionality and storage with cloud-based tools available to, you know, infinitely scale up anything that you want to use. So uh, I think APIs as a general uh, trend will continue to be those building blocks for modern software. Uh, another related trend that we see is everything is kind of API-fied in a way. You know, like businesses are APIs, governments have APIs, you know, there is a lot of data that is exposed through APIs that's useful in context, uh, you know, in social context or uh, other things that we can't even, you know, hypothesize, right? If you look at all the data dumps that governments all across the world expose, uh, you know, once a year, uh, those are all becoming APIs where you have real-time information coming from, uh, you know, things on the ground. So that's the other bit we see. I think consumers will have more power due to APIs. That's something that is not talked about as often by companies because, you know, they want to, of course, give you applications to work with. But if we kind of go back to that hacker mindset that, you know, you could go into an application, you know, tweak it to your own needs. Now things have become much more, uh, you know, uh, kind of like uh, it's it's like your iPhone, right? It's your MacBook. You can't really do anything with it. If you don't, you can't tweak it and stuff. And I think APIs give that uh, ability to consumers to, you know, tweak things to their advantage. I think that hopefully pressures companies to, you know, build more and better APIs. I think privacy and the debate around data is a big uh, thing. I mean, all the debates that we have around uh, data these days are all essentially about uh, uh, APIs. You know, APIs are available for you to put in data, but it's very hard for you know for you to know all the ways in which you know a company is kind of tracking you. So I think that's conversation about this debate between applications and consumers and how what role APIs is going to play uh, is is going to be important. So that's the context. You know, we feel APIs are very fundamentally important uh, to the software world going forward. I think in terms of tooling. Uh, I would divide it into two parts, you know, tools for building APIs and tools for, uh, you know, consuming APIs or using APIs. Uh, Postman plays a role in both sides. And I think that's where one of the advantages of Postman also comes in. And I missed one point that, you know, we'll probably talk about in, in, in a bit. I think for building APIs, you know, cloud-based tools, development environments have uh, done a lot uh, recently, but really thinking in terms of APIs is still, I'd say, lagging behind. Uh, it's very hard to kind of model an infrastructure. It's very hard to reason about uh, the conceptual architecture of something, and no tools have been built. It's more like a spaghetti that is, you know, in your principal architect's head. And uh, we're still trying to reason, okay, no, like we, we went to microservices, but we really didn't. If you visualize a whole bunch of microservices, it looks like a mess, right? So I think tools there in terms of reasoning conceptually about APIs need a lot more work. We default to using schemas, I think, uh, and, and text editors, which I'm not that excited about. 
Uh, in terms of using APIs, I think we see uh, a lot there happening that we didn't anticipate. Like out of that millions of developers that we feel use Postman, a lot of them are first-time developers or first-time users of APIs. You know, these are people in marketing, sales, uh, success, people whose, you know, I saw, I think, an article on, on a conference about how journalists can use data APIs to write better stories, right? And, you know, describe uh, how to use Postman for that. So I think anything that makes APIs accessible and more usable, I think Zapier comes to mind, you know, how you can connect things. IFTTT comes to mind. I think they're still on those early stages of really just connecting things, but not really applying APIs to build like powerful applications. And I would like to see, you know, more things there. And and I think more generally, how, uh, you know, the general, uh, you know, non-developer who is not invested like five years or 10 years of their life in understanding code, you know, how can they break down applications or, uh, or, or this way of, you know, working when you're working with code. I think that Needs, needs a lot of work. And, and I see that kind of class emerging. You know, there's, there are developers who just know what's going on and they know how to fix things, how to build things. And the rest of the people who just know how to turn and on, turn their machines on and off again, you know? So yeah. I think something needs to be done there. Yeah. You mentioned using APIs is, is a big thing for you. Uh, I would imagine that's probably where your your network, your API directory comes into play is... is one part is understanding that an API exists and potentially an extension to that would be ways people are using these APIs. So this network, this directory you have, is it is it uh, APIs that only use Postman or are they sort of is this sort of like agnostic in terms of like it's APIs at large that people are are brands are, are sharing and, and consuming? So it could be any API, you know, we they just have to publish on the Postman platform. Uh, we try to verify them. So we want to make sure that the company that has built the API is publishing on the platform, unlike uh, unmoderated list. Uh, because, you know, with the using APIs, you also want to get the latest version of the API as it's secure and things like that. So if you are a company, you can have a Postman account and then publish a bunch of collections. Uh, with, And then we don't really care whether you build the API you know, using Postman or if your team uses Postman. You just want the API to be there in a form that can be consumed by other Postman users. And it's a free service. And you also say, on top of that, it's the most authentic collection. So I would imagine there's some sort of vetting process in there to ensure that uh, the API is, you know, latest version, you know, usable, et cetera. Yeah, we, we have a DevRel team that is, uh, you know, look is it actually builds relationships with the teams who are publishing on Postman. As I said, one of the criteria is that you need to, be, if you're publishing, uh, if you're PayPal, right, and you want to publish on the Postman platform, we'll only let PayPal kind of you know, do that. We're not going to have somebody else represent PayPal. And we look at that as a vetting process. Uh, in terms of the collections themselves, after you publish your first one, then you can update and add more. Uh, that's really up to the publisher. We don't go to that level of granularity. It'll be too much of uh, a vetting, I'd say. But over time, we want to build, we are actually in the process of building more social tools for the community to be able to, you know, rate APIs, be able to fork them, be able to, you know, uh, submit use cases back to the publisher and really, you know, come together to say, okay, this is a good API versus this is a bad API. Yeah. I mean, right now, it seems all you're doing really is just linking out to their developer docs, potentially. It doesn't seem like most of the 
pages are actually on the Postman website. You're just sort of like a, a link directory for APIs, essentially. Yeah, the website version is a little bit behind. So the app version, if you go to Postman, click on the new button and see the API network in there. So that's the one you publish to. And we have a new version coming up pretty soon that will be updated dynamic portal effectively where you will be able to search for publishers and, and they will all be listed on uh, the Postman you know, portal. You would not be directed to other things. We started with that uh, to just see who is publishing with the run in Postman button. And, and those are the first entrants into the official network. And uh, the web version will go some refinement to, you know, better build the user experience out. As of today, the Postman app gives you a ready way to consume these APIs uh, within the app itself. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, hey, you know, congrats on the 50 million. I mean, from uh, from donations to 50 million in Series B, that's that's huge. Thank you. <laughs> Got to pinch myself as always. Yeah. <laughs> it's still it's still real. It, you're, you're not sleeping. Yeah. You're awake. <laughs> you're not dreaming. Yeah, you're awake. Yeah. I mean, I'd only say, I think, you know, we we uh, we, we never really went for a funding milestone as like, you know, marker for success. And I think we have a long way to go. It's a milestone, though. Yeah. And, and you know, Postman still has some, I think, a thousand feature requests open on our public tracker. Uh, and we are like, I, I don't know what timeline we'll get to it. Either we'll close it or we'll refine it. There's so much to do uh, that uh, I think we're excited about the journey. So there's lots more to do. But yeah, at this point, it feels awesome. <laughs> well, it was fun hearing the journey, especially just the early days of, you know, run and profitable to to where you're at now. It's it's interesting to see the path that people take in scratching their own itch and actually seeing success. And I would say even also to that, changing the way something like this actually operates you know, you're making a big dent in the dev world. So we appreciate that. Thank you so much. It's It's been great and it's uh, it's been amazing. You know, I think going from like that first version to seeing uh, people, you know, use it and share like their stories with us uh, feels great. And the credit goes to the team. You know, I've, I've been, I think, on this call, but there is a uh, big team out there now. I mean, we are about 150 people strong across San Francisco and Bangalore, we have people across the globe now, so in, in UK, Portugal, Nigeria. How many engineers? About seventy-five uh, engineers now. And yeah, an interesting fact I'd mention is that you know almost all of our sales are self-serve sales, so people buy the product through the product. We don't do outbound sales, uh, and uh, sweet. Yeah, so you know, keep developers happy without annoying emails. That's the goal. Except on the enterprise side, of course. Yeah, you know, enterprise, so the interesting thing with our motion has been that people reach out saying that we want the enterprise product because we see so many people using it and what do you have? So, right. uh, cool. yeah, it's, uh, we'll, I mean, it's something that, you know, we're learning from other companies, uh, I'd say Atlassian, Slack, and uh, I, I think we're still focused on building a valuable product. You know, it might change in the future. Uh, I'm sure there will be a CEO or a CTO who's not day-to-day using Postman and we'll have to email them. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for your sharing your time and your story with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, having me here. 
thank you for tuning into this episode of the changelog hey guess what we have discussions on every single episode now so head to changelog.com to discuss this episode and if you want to help us grow this show reach more listeners and influence more developers do us a favor and give us a rating or review in itunes or apple podcasts if you use overcast give us a star if you tweet tweet a link if you make lists of your favorite podcast include us in it also thanks to fastly our bandwidth partner rollbar our monitoring service and linode our cloud server of choice this episode is hosted by myself adam stukoviak and jared santo and our music is done by breakmaster cylinder if you want to hear more episodes like this subscribe to our master feed at changelog.com master or go into your podcast app and search for changelog master you'll find it thank you for tuning in this week we'll see you again soon